Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 10th, 2020. My goodness, where is the time going? Uh, It's great to join you at the end of what's been an insane uh, week uh, all around the world here in New York. Um, I really think Rod Serling has been writing the script. No other way of accounting for it. Again, I thank you for joining me. For those of you who are familiar with me and familiar with this program, know that I have been a man on a mission ever since the terror attacks of 9-11 that killed my neighbors and dumped uh, ashes on my home, my neighborhood, my family. Uh, We're in a very perilous era, and the situation with Iran heating up, um, and I think the president had no alternative but to take the actions that he took, and you have Congress... um, (laughs) goodness gracious, doing things and saying things that I find astonishing, especially on the left. Although apparently a couple of Republicans have have joined the lunacy in the Senate. The president is the commander in chief of our armed forces. He bears primary responsibility for America's national security and consequently its survival. Make no mistake, Iran has been at war with the United States ever since that brilliant president, Jimmy Carter, um, brought the Ayatollah Khomeini back to Iran. Basically, he paved the path for that return. And Khomeini, of course, showed his gratitude by seizing the U.S. Embassy, taking 52 Americans hostage, and and here we are. This has been ongoing ever since that day on November the 4th, 1979. And, And the final gift, if you will, that the Iranians bestowed on President Carter was to create a situation politically that basically made certain that Ronald Reagan would defeat him in the presidency. Uh, It's just stunning, but it's only one of many disastrous decisions that came out of the Carter White House. Uh, My gosh. And, And, you know, I'm not being partisan. I'm registered as a Democrat. But to be honest, I cannot tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because this is no longer the Democratic Party. When I joined the Democratic Party, it was the party of the working family, Uh, and and it made sense. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. It used to be that it was a clear division between Democrats and Republicans. The Democrats stood behind the workers and the Republicans behind business owners. And going back to the beginnings of civilization, there's always been a labor management division, bosses versus the people who work for them. And that's just the way it is. And both sides have legitimate concerns and legitimate goals and sometimes not so legitimate concerns and not so legitimate goals. So by having that kind of balance between the two classic segments of our society, the system pretty much worked. America experienced prosperity. The middle class grew with it. The American dream for Americans grew and America became the envy of the world. When the Democrats decided to stab, metaphorically stab the American worker in the back and do everything possible to flood America with foreign workers, the wheels came off the wagon. Uh, Look, this isn't about being anti-immigrant. This is part of the lie, part of the fantasy being created by the left, by the globalists. And by the way, you have it on both sides. Let's be honest. How many on the right would love to get rid of all American workers if they could get away with it and bring in people from the third world and pay them next to nothing and ignore all of the safety regulations and the health regulations? You know, every time I hear this business, we got to get rid of regulations. I I think about the Love Canal and the pollution and the children suffering from cancer. I think about the exploding Ford Pinto. I think about Volkswagen, and I think about all these other companies that violated regulations and either cost people their lives or certainly uh, had an adverse impact on the environment and on the health of the average American. America should be better than that. 
But as my, my youngest son always loves to quote James Madison when he said that if people were angels, if men were angels, uh, I, I guess they were being sexist back then, we would say today. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, if, if men were angels, we wouldn't need government. We need regulations because some of our instincts are not, shall we say, altruistic. And then uh, you look at what's just happened now with the Boeing aircraft company. And, you know, I normally talk about immigration, but I really have to make these points because there's going to be a segue into where we are now with, with immigration and, and the crisis that we're facing with Iran, with the drug cartels, uh, with all sorts of issues. And, of course, the other side would say, oh, you're, you're, you're anti-immigrant. No, I'm pro-enforcement, and being pro-enforcement is pro-immigrant. The same laws that tell us who to keep out and who to kick out, and it has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, aliens who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, human smugglers, drug smugglers. And then we get to aliens who would become a public charge or aliens who displace American workers. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing anti-immigrant about supporting those laws because under those very same laws, the United States admits more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined. Think about that. We admit more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined, over a million a year. And that doesn't include the tens of millions of non-immigrant temporary visitor aliens who come to America as tourists, as students, as temporary workers. We have had a very large open-door policy forever. So the idea that we need to be careful not to let in people who would hurt us is common sense. Don't we lock the door when we go to sleep or when we go away? You know, I think back if you have children, the first time you decided that your child was old enough that you could let him or her stay alone while you ran some errands and you admonish them. Didn't we all do this? I've been there. I was actually a single parent at one point. Don't open the door. If anyone knocks on the door, ignore it. Don't open the door. Why? Because we don't think they have the judgment. They don't have the judgment to make a good decision about whether or not it's safe to open the door. Because if you let someone into your house who wants to hurt you, they will hurt you. When I served as an inspector, an immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport for the first four years of what became a 30-year career with the old INS, I described that period of time when I sat in that inspection booth at Kennedy Airport as a time that I had my, pe- my eye to the peephole on America's front door. But today, if you dare suggest we don't let everybody in, you're going to be branded a racist, a xenophobe, a hater. Uh, my gosh, it's just ended, endless bigot. Um, it, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I spent the years in adjudications officer. I was happy when I could approve applications for aliens who had married Americans. The Americans filed petitions on their behalf or lawful immigrant aliens filed for their alien spouses. I did the interviews to make certain that they were actually living together because there was a lot of fraud. And I was happy when I could approve a petition. I didn't take pleasure out of not giving someone a green card. When I was an inspector, I was happy to admit people into the United States. I was happy to admit refugees into the United States because back then in the 1970s, terrorists weren't coming into the United States to kill us. The biggest concern we had, especially with Russian refugees, was that some of them might have actually been members of the Russian mob. We might have had spies. Uh, After World War II, the concern was that Nazi war criminals trying to evade the the Nuremberg trials and, and the long arm of the law would come to America under assumed identities to um, evade justice. But today we are concerned, and by the way, that's a big deal. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. I was named for my mother's mother who was killed in Poland because we're Jewish. But today the threat, and it's a very real threat, is that people coming across that border want to kill us. And in fact, today there was a report that Customs and Border Protection has been alerted that Iran might seek to send suicide bombers to the United States. They don't really have to send them here. They're here. They're here. I've written about these uh, sleeper agents who've been in the United States forever. But the problem is all that America is about these days, even with all these threats to our existential threats to our survival, is corporate greed, cheap labor, 
cheap labor, cheap labor. Let's ignore the regulations. Let's hire people who will take shortcuts, who, will, who won't complain if we put them in harm's way. The reason we have all these safety regulations and all these OSHA regulations is because of the Triangle Shirt Waste Factory fire of more than 100 years ago when young women, mostly immigrants themselves, perished in a, in a factory fire because all the fire exits were blocked. And I have to tell you, as an immigration agent, I used to raid sweatshops. And then the sweatshops got moved to the third world. So, you know, you go to the third world, there's no pesky regulations. I, I love the Gervais routine at the Golden Globes talking about Apple and how progressive they are. And meanwhile, they, they have slave labor making their nice, shiny new telephones and whatever other stuff they sell in China. So people's outrage was so great after those women plummeted out the windows, almost paralleling what would happen on 9-11, isn't it? Think about it. And people saw those smashed and burned bodies on the pavement, and they demanded that the government intervene. If those situations hadn't existed, if those young women hadn't have died or hadn't died, if I can get my grammar straight, it's just very upsetting just thinking about it. My mother worked in the garment center when she came here as a young girl. She was 13 years old, worked at first in an umbrella factory, making $3 a week and lived by herself in a rooming house where if she didn't make money, she didn't eat. It wasn't like today. So, you know, when I see what's going on today and when you think back to what's happened over the years and you look at the madness, how we refuse to learn from history's mistakes, the response to that fire, the response to those young women perishing terribly, tragically, horrifically, was the implementation of safety rules. And we always hear the companies saying, oh, we don't want regulations. Well, maybe if you behaved yourself, you wouldn't need them, but we know you're not going to behave yourself. There's far too much greed. And I've never seen our country more driven by greed than it is today. I think maybe <clears throat> what we really ought to be teaching in our schools today, uh, rather than some of the wacky courses that the kids are getting, maybe they ought to be getting from first grade on classes in ethics, classes in altruism and compassion, classes in morality. There ain't none. There ain't none. I want to call your attention to an article that was published on January the 9th over at NPR Business. It blows my mind. Boeing employees mocked FAA in internal messages before the 737 MAX disasters. Bill Boeing, William Boeing, created that company. He must be spinning like a pinwheel in his grave. Boeing is building our next the fleet of spacecraft for, for our astronauts, they and SpaceX competing. And I like competition. That's what capitalism is about. Except you don't have competition when the corporations buy off the crooked politicians to give the redundancy. Think about what uh, campaign contributions are, folks. They're bribes. If the politicians were going to do the right thing anyway, you wouldn't give them money to get them to do these things. They would just do what's right. So the lobbyists come in and say, here's money. Well, your campaign, but wink, wink, this is what we expect you to do for us. And what they want them to do goes against what the constituents want. Because if it was what the constituents want, you wouldn't have to tell them to do it. They'd be happy to do it. So you put the politicians in a bind. You want to win office? Play ball with us. We'll write the check. But by playing ball with them very often, what it leads to is screwing American workers into the ground. Now, what do they all want? Cheap labor. What do they all want? Exploitable labor. Is there any morality to that? Absolutely not. Is there any compassion to that? Absolutely not. It's about exploitation. And if you say, let's end the exploitation, you'll hear from the other side, oh, you're not compassionate. Where is their compassion and exploitation? <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, so you, you look at the, the Boeing situation. Everybody at Boeing apparently knew that this airplane was a disaster was a disaster. Uh, in fact, they, they, let me read a, just a, a quick segment from that article. This is how it begins. The latest documents Boeing has released related to the design and certification of the 737 MAX uh, paint a dark picture of employee reactions to problems that came up during the development of the now-grounded airliners. 
The documents included emails and internal communications. In one message, employees mocked the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, and bragged about getting regulators to approve the jets without requiring much additional pilot training. In another, develop, in another document, an employee ridicules colleagues involved in the development of the troubled airplane, saying, quote, this airplane is designed by clowns who, in turn, are supervised by monkeys. Crashes of the 737 MAX airliners in 2018 and 2019 killed a total of 346 people. Let me just grab a sip here. I've been doing TV and radio before this. In fact, I was on Newsmax today, and I also did another radio interview. It's about getting the word out, folks. So forgive me if my voice sounds a little scratchy. So we have 346 dead bodies. And do you think the corporation cares? I mean, there were reports that the that the leaders at Boeing were upset that they were going to have their airplanes grounded because it would cost them money. Better to keep the airplanes flying and do what? Kill more people? We need to teach ethics to our children. We have to inculcate them from day one with an idea of doing what's right. We've become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. The value of nothing. Uh, I don't understand it. I really don't. I'm a big fan of profit. I believe in the profit motive. My dog believes in the profit motive. Try to train your pet. If there's no reward, the pet isn't going to do it. I don't care if the reward is scratching his ear or, or, or giving him a dog biscuit or, or giving him a favorite toy to play with, whatever it is. Reward has to precede or be part of the training to get animals to do what we want. That's the way it works. Well, we're part of the animal kingdom, like it or not. We want to be rewarded. That's why communism doesn't work. There's only two ways to motivate people, folks, by reward or by intimidation. Communism requires intimidation. Capitalism involves rewards. I'll stick with rewards. And that's why I'm a capitalist. But the corporations, they really aren't capitalists. What they subscribe to is, so, is corporate welfare. And they're getting it because they bribe the politicians. This past year, several bills flew through the House, and you, you wouldn't know it from the news media, <clears throat> with, with a wide margin. Now, what did the bills do? Bring in more foreign workers. Uh, amnesty for farm workers, all kinds of crazy things, alien farm workers. Think about that. Both parties ran and said, yes, we'll do this. Yes, we'll do that. Meanwhile, the media says, oh, the Democrats and Republicans will never work together. They'll never fix the immigration problem. Three bills at least passed, zipped right through on the express track. And those bills are terrible for the well-being of American workers and the safety of our nation. They don't care. If this is supposed to be, as Lincoln said, a country of the people, by the people, and for the people, how is our, Amer- how is our America today living up to that lofty vision when we displace American workers with foreign workers? How is that of the people, by the people, and for the people? And don't tell me that that's the way America has to lead. I've heard politicians like Ted Cruz talk about bringing in the world's best and brightest so America can lead. It was Americans who launched the first satellite. Well, actually, it was the second satellite. The Russians beat us to that. It was Americans who broke the sound barrier. Chuck Yeager flying the Bell X-1 back in 1947. It was Americans that launched the first communication satellite. It was America that launched space probes, uh, Voyager 1, Voyager 2, New Horizons, out of the solar system. This was done by Americans. So that's not to say that there aren't brilliant people from around the world who shouldn't be invited here. We should. But again, the usual argument, oh, you wouldn't have allowed Einstein to come here. You wouldn't have allowed Elon Musk to come here. Baloney. But when you bring in hundreds of thousands of foreign workers, please don't tell me that these are exceptional workers. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands aren't exceptional. The only thing exceptional about them is the In fact, they will work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions. That's what it's about. Um, So so this is really something that you need to to consider. I'm getting texted. I want to make sure that everything is working properly. Uh, Hang on. 
Okay. Um, so in any event, um, the problem that we face is that corporate greed has taken over what should be morality, and the government is complicit. And you have sanctuary cities operating at the behest of I don't know who. I mean, think about this. We're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens at a time when we're worrying about sleeper agents coming to the United States and attacking us. How in the world does that help to make America safe when you're giving sleep when you're giving potential sleeper agents, aliens who are here illegally, driver's licenses and official ID? Uh, and meanwhile, we have no way to uh, to figure out who's who and what's what. So, so the result of all of this uh, is that there are terrorists and fugitives who will easily be able to game this process, and and as a result of that. Uh, embed themselves in our country and go about their plans to blow us up. I can't think of the last time an airplane was used in a terrorist attack other than 9-11. But motor vehicles are now the preferred weapon of choice. And what are we doing? We're providing driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are, take that license and go anywhere in the United States, rent a vehicle or drive a vehicle and use it as a weapon, because that's what we've been seeing all over the world. Motor vehicles being used as weapons. How in the world does this work to our best interest? This makes absolutely no sense. And that's something that you need to focus on, that the governments of these cities and states that create sanctuaries and these various um, states that are issuing driver's licenses and blocking ICE and Customs and Border Protection from having access to motor vehicle records, how in the world does that protect us? That's exactly the opposite of what the 9-11 Commission warned about, the commission to which I provided testimony, because I've arrested and investigated terrorists in my career. And think about how many Americans don't stand up and scream bloody murder. Look at what we're doing. You would think if there are real concerns about terrorism, and the mayor of New York City, the city that got hammered the worst on 9-11, is running around saying, we're going to protect you from sleeper agents. Really? Giving cops long guns isn't going to protect us from sleeper agents nearly as much as if you had immigration working closely with the NYPD. I worked closely with the New York City Police Department and other police departments. i got to tell you, it was a privilege to work with the NYPD. It was a privilege to work with the New York State Police and Nassau County and Suffolk County. When I came on the job back in 1975 as an immigration agent working with the cops was a matter of routine the cops pull some guy over for speeding and it turns out he's drunk and has no license and he's got eight people crammed into the back of his car they were all illegal aliens we'd get a call from the precinct they'd say hey we're holding the driver we're, we're criminally prosecuting this idiot for driving without a license and being drunk you want the people that he was driving and we would take them into custody and we would deport them no must, no fuss, nobody screamed, nobody fainted, nobody rioted. It was expected. You're here illegally. There are consequences. You need to go home. You're trespassing. Look at what the courts have done. Block Donald Trump's every effort to enforce the immigration laws. You look at the caravans. People say, well, the caravans are gone. Well, we're still getting inundated. Yes, the numbers are lower. So what? And what happened to those hundreds of thousands or, or perhaps millions of aliens who, who came into the United States on the caravans or came in across the northern border or overstayed their visa. This is all ongoing at the same time. They're here, and they're clogging the courts. Arrest an illegal alien today. You can wind up waiting three or four years before you get to see an immigration judge. They're not sitting in jail. They're out there. They're out there, and they're working. They're taking jobs Americans should have. And the incredible thing, the Democrats are running around screaming about the environment. We need mass transit, more mass transit, more mass transit. Get out of the cars. No more driving. No more airplanes. Think of all the crazy stuff that they're recommending. De Blasio one time, and I thought that he might have been drunk or something, said we've got to get rid of office buildings made out of concrete, out of glass and steel. They're not energy efficient. What was he going to do, tear down New York City? I mean, I have no idea what comes out of there at mouths. Alexandria, the barmaid, um, the congresswoman everyone calls AOC. She's not JFK. She's not Harry S. Truman. 
Uh, no, I, I'm not giving her her initials. She's Alexandria the barmaid. She's still a barmaid in my mind. Leader. What a leader. Let's end airplanes. No more airplanes. We can't pollute. These are the same people who demand that we put more people on the road, millions of people, millions of cars, causing more congestion and more pollution. Stop and think about it. You give driver's licenses to illegal aliens, and don't tell me what they're going to drive anyway. They've been driving without. It's okay. You know, the solution to aliens driving without driver's licenses is give them driver's licenses. No, the solution is get them out of the country if they don't belong here. That has nothing to do with immigrants. These are, look, if two people walk out of a bank with money and one guy took money out of his bank account or took out a loan and the other guy got money because he pulled a gun on the teller, you don't call them both customers. Stores worry about shoplifters. That's why they put those tags on clothing and have closed-circuit cameras and metal detectors and all kinds of – why? They want customers. They don't want shoplifters. Now, I understand that people who come here illegally very often are desperate. And I feel bad for them. I know I have arrested thousands of illegal aliens in my career. And many times you felt sympathy towards these folks. But they and we as agents knew one thing. They weren't supposed to be here. and They accepted the fact that if you arrested them, the party was over. You get caught. There's consequences. There's no more consequences. When you argue bail, I used to argue bail for the U.S. attorneys I worked with. I had a thousand batting average. Nobody got bail. Bail arguments are based on two fundamental factors, risk of flight, dangers of the community, but not in New York City. In New York City, they took out risk of flight. I'm sorry, dangers to the community. And they said, well, unless you've committed a violent crime, we're not going to hold you. We won't require bail. So some woman who may be crazy or may be a bigot started ranting and raving at some Jewish women, slapped them, hit them, attacked them, got arrested. It was declared not a violent crime, by the way, even though she assaulted people. That's not violent. I guess she didn't take out a machine gun. And even then, God knows, if she was here illegally, they'd probably find an excuse. So they released her. Guess what? Within a couple of hours, she attacked someone else and wound up in front of another judge. And then, from what I remember reading, did it a third time, and they finally said, well, we have to take it to the psych ward. The orientation that we keep seeing today, folks, is about the criminal, not about the victim. How much does this turn everything on its ear, that we're focused on the criminal's right but not on the victim's rights? Where are we going with all this? Where in the world is all this leading us? This is a very serious problem, and I don't know where it's going to lead us. But it can't be taking us anyplace good, that's for sure. And that's something that all of us should be focused on, that we have a very severe problem today. I think it's very important that all of us stand up and make our concerns known to everybody. Anyway. We're living in a very dangerous era with very serious consequences. Uh, I'm going to cut my program short today, but I did want to make sure that you go to Front Page Magazine, check out my article. Um, It's focused on this threat of terrorism being enhanced by this crazy notion of providing driver's licenses to illegal aliens and blocking immigration agents from having access to motor vehicle records. This makes no sense. It's creating a very serious danger for all of us, and we the people have got to stand up, and we the people must push back. We've got to get the politicians to understand that what's being done is undermining national security. It's undermining public safety. It's creating a nightmare, not only for us, it's creating a nightmare for our children and for their children. This is not the way that a country should be conducting itself. Um, You know, the Congress is all upset because President Trump acted unilaterally without reaching out to the Congress first and telling Congress, you know, we're going to take out this terrorist. Look at how the mainstream media covered that situation, referring to a terrorist as a revered leader of the Iranian government, revered leader. 
it leaves me astonished. Could you imagine if President Trump had failed to act? Imagine if they knew where this guy was and they didn't act and a terror attack was carried out and lots of people were slaughtered. There'd be more charges levied against the president, I assure you, charging him with gross negligence. You know, there was an interesting uh, situation that happened during the Second World War, and it was called um, it was caused by a member of Congress who was given a tour of our naval facilities in the Pacific. This is, again, during the Second World War. And it turned out, it was called the May uh, incident, by the way, because the congressman's name was Andrew May. He was from Kentucky. And they gave him a tour of the facilities, and they said, here's what we're doing. The Japanese are using depth charges to go after our submarines. Now, for those of you not familiar with it, a depth charge um, is an explosive. If you ever saw the old World War II movies, it looks like big barrels that get launched off the, off the ships. And it, they go into the water, and they, the uh, sailors on the ship can set the depth at which the charge will detonate. So they would dump them into the water. The submarines were under them, and they would set the depth charge to go off next to the submarine or on top of the submarine and destroy the submarine. Well, as it turned out, our submarines were surviving the attacks because the Japanese didn't know that the subs that we were using there at that time were able to dive to a depth of between 400 and 500 feet. Apparently, they were setting their depth charges to 200 or 300 feet. It was a big enough difference that our submarines were getting rattled, getting banged up, but they weren't being sunk, and our guys were surviving. So they showed this to this congressman, and this imbecile congressman, comes back to the United States, holds a news conference, and brags about how brilliant American sailors are, able to dive under the Japanese ships, and they're going so deep that the Japanese are setting their depth charges to go off at, at not a significant enough depth, and that's why our submarines are, are surviving. Well, guess what the Japanese did as soon as they became aware of that press conference? You guessed it. They changed the settings on their depth charges, and it was estimated that at least 10 U.S. submarines were immediately sunk and 800 sailors or more were killed. You know that old saying, loose lips, loose lips uh, sink ships? Well, this man had a pair of loose lips. From what I read, he was eventually prosecuted for corruption uh, after he left office and wound up going to jail. But the idea of holding a, a meeting with the Congress and saying, we know where this guy is. And by the way, you've got to act immediately, because if, if you wait for the for Congress to say yes, they can't figure out who's going to sit where and who's going to say what when. You know, three weeks later, they'll still be arguing. And, of course, somebody's going to go to the media. We're at war. Lives are hanging in the balance. And for all the posturing and all the self-importance of these members of Congress, they need to remember something. They are representatives of the citizens of this country. Citizens have the highest position in our government, not politicians. We the people. We the people. What's the qualification to be a member of Congress? That's why I laugh when I hear this business about AOC, Alexandria the Barmaid. What was her qualification? How many years did she have to study and train to become a member of Congress? You look at a neurosurgeon. You look at a, uh, an astronaut. You look at a fighter pilot. Look at a school teacher. Look at a federal agent, the training that goes on. That's training. What training do you get to be a congressman or a senator or a congresswoman? You're there to represent us. You're there to do what's in the best interest of our country. How is it in the best interest of our country to take the 9-11 Commission report and go 180 degrees in the opposite direction? Someone needs to explain to me how that makes any sense. If you read what the 9-11 Commission had to say, let me pull this up for you. Bear with me. Now, this is the preface of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Think about Alexandria the barmaid and the squad as they call them, they give them all these titles fools would be more like it self-hating Americans perhaps anarchists and seditionists seem to work well for me and I'm not a name caller but I'm angry and I'm frustrated 
Let's end immigration law enforcement. Immigration agents are thugs. The work of immigration parallels the work of the military to keep our enemies as far from us as possible. Now, this is how the preface of the 9-11 Commission staff report begins. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons that we discuss in the following pages that it must be made one. How in the world can you ignore that clear, concise, and compelling paragraph that is the preface for the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel? That report was written by the agents and attorneys who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. Think about that. Think about that. Time and again, we see the same thing, uh, the same warning. Um, now they want to legalize all the aliens. Why? To give business to the immigration lawyers. Now, this also came from that report, this statement that I'm about to read. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Think of all those aliens in that caravan claiming asylum, meaning that they jammed up the asylum system so it's impossible to really vet the people who apply for asylum. How many terrorists does it take to kill lots of people? 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And the death count is not done. More people are still dying, folks. Think about that. So they say this. Once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. And now the House just zipped through a bill that said, if you claim you worked on a farm, we'll give you a pathway to, to lawful status, maybe citizenship. We don't learn from the past because we're too driven by greed and the Chamber of Commerce and a host of globalists. That's why we only have about 6,000 ICE agents, and only about 2,000 of those 6,000 are actually doing immigration work for the entire United States of America, 2,000 agents effectively. We have 1.3 million members of the armed forces. TSA is 45,000 people. But in essence, we have 2,000 immigration agents for the whole country. Why? To minimize the likelihood that crooked lawyers, crooked employers, and alien smugglers and human traffickers will be found. Why? Because the immigration system is a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, an unlimited supply of foreign tourists, an unlimited supply of foreign students, and, oh, yes, let's not forget, folks, an unlimited supply of clients for immigration law firms. Okay? And then they go on and say this. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residence under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Ayad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, this is the 93 bombing we're talking about, that killed, that killed six and injured over 1,000 and inflicted a half billion in damage and almost brought that whole complex down sideways. Their goal was to kill 250,000 people. So they say that the guy who drove the van... Ayad Mahmoud Ismail took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So what does that mean? Those two individuals that were involved in the bombing of the World Trade Center, involved in renting and moving the truck into the garage, were here illegally. They didn't run the border, but they violated the terms of their admission. They should not have been able to have access to a driver's license, but they did. And because they had access to a driver's license, they were able to rent a truck and move the truck into the garage of the World Trade Center and set it off. How many trucks have been used to mow people down? And not just in the United States, although one was done within blocks of the World Trade Center by an alien who was admitted under the lottery. By the way, the visa lottery, you should know, was created by President Reagan 
Don't give me this left-right nonsense. It's both sides of the aisle that are all in. Corporate greed, cheap labor, chamber of commerce. Unbelievable. But you would think, well, we've learned the lesson. 9-11 happened. How dare we allow that to happen again? How many politicians stood before the microphones and pounded the podium and said, why in the world didn't anyone connect the dots? Ladies and gentlemen, the dots were connected. The dots were connected. And what happened? We're making the same mistakes again, except now these aren't mistakes. I would submit that the politicians who are issuing driver's licenses to illegal aliens know full well what the dangers are. They are talking about sleeper agents, and unless they are brain dead, they have to know that what they are doing is very dangerous. It flies in the face of common sense. It's a reversal in a policy that had been implemented after 9-11 because everyone understood what the danger was of not giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. And they say, well, if these people are good at work, they got to get to work. They're not supposed to be working. If they're here illegally and working, they are stealing a job from an American. And you look at all the homelessness around the United States. Oh, yes. And the journalists will tell you, oh, mental illness. It's mental illness. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. Mental illness. These poor people are just mentally ill. We have to address mental illness. You know why many of those people are out there? There's families out there, folks. Why is no one screaming about those American children who are homeless? Illegal aliens get arrested and they show crying children. Where are the cameras to show the American kids who are living in tent cities because they're homeless or maybe being taken from their families because they're homeless? Nobody cares about homeless American kids. Look at the Hollywood crowd. They have to adopt a child. So what do they do? They get on an airplane and they fly to some country that you and I can't pronounce the name of that country to adopt a child. What happened to the American child who's homeless, who's been orphaned, who's living in foster care? Right now, as you're listening to me, there's over a half million American children living in foster care. Where's the headlines? Where's the reporters? Where's the goddamn cameras? Do you think they care? Of course they do not care. It's a photo op to stir your emotions and confound any kind of a rational, honest conversation. Why do kids get involved in crime? Well, you put kids in poverty, you give them no opportunities, and you're in shock when they violate the law. When they violate the law, that puts them at loggerheads with law enforcement. So now we have this bad situation that exists between these young people and police. When I was a kid and I saw a guy with a badge, I saw a friend. I saw someone I could go to for help. If you're getting by by shoplifting and selling pots and doing other things you shouldn't be doing and you see a guy with a badge, are you happy or apprehensive? And things spiral out of control and we have tragedies. Cops get shot. Kids, kids get involved. They get shot. Gangs spring up. Why? Because we're destroying opportunities for American workers and their families. Why do we have homelessness? Yes, part of it is mental illness. Part of it is drugs. But a big part of it, folks, and here's that dirty word that nobody wants you to think about, it's economics. You flood America with cheap labor, and what does that do? It drives down wages. It unemploys Americans, especially Americans living at the margins. Alan Greenspan said, well, yes, some people who don't have a college degree will face wage suppression by bringing in foreign workers, but it will only affect them minimally. If you're making a minimum wage and you lose money, you get a new title. It's called homeless. And at the same time that wages are in uh, are being suppressed by this massive influx of cheap, exploitable labor, the demand for housing forces the price of housing to go up. Supply and demand is all economics, folks. I learned this in junior high school. This isn't complicated. You don't need a Ph.D. Supply and demand. More people chasing fewer apartments drives the value of that apartment up. So banks are happy, large-scale realtors, they're thrilled. Who's getting screwed? The average American, especially Americans living on the margin. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. They wind up homeless. Out on the street, not safe. Uh, How many assaults and rapes take place in the shelters? Oh, my gosh. What does this do to the ability of kids to study? There was a report that I read that said that poverty – 
effectively reduces a child's IQ by 16 points. Nothing good comes of this. But if you're greedy and you don't give a rat's tail about your fellow American or other human beings, collateral damage. People are killed by the gangs. Ah, speed bumps, collateral damage. And what the hell? The funeral home business needs work. So now you have politicians telling you, we know that there's a threat of Iranian sleeper agents. And if you go to the congressional hearings, it was hearing after hearing after hearing, and I've documented them in my articles, what actions have been taken? Nothing. Nothing. Sanctuary cities are still in place. Judges oppose any effort to, to defund sanctuary cities for failing to cooperate with federal law enforcement, which means that national security and public safety and public health are all being undermined. Wages and jobs for Americans undermined. But that's okay because this is like the Boeing airplane. So what if it killed people? Let's fly them anyway and keep the profits rolling in, folks. <clears throat> December 7th, 1941, the nation was attacked at Pearl Harbor. In 44 months, 44 months, the United States built fleets of airplanes that had never existed before. When Pearl Harbor was attacked, American naval aviators were training in biplanes. By the end of the war, 44 months later, the P-51 Mustang, a beautiful airplane. I would argue it's one of the most beautiful ever built. I, I actually have a model of the P-51 here in my home office, autographed by Chuck Yeager, the man who broke the sound barrier. That airplane could climb to close to 40,000 feet and fly over, I believe it was 400 miles an hour. 44 months. We built nuclear weapons. We did all sorts of things and got the job done in 44 months. We were attacked by terrorists in 1993. Back then, it was clear that there was a nexus between immigration failures and the ability of those terrorists to enter the United States and bed themselves and go about their deadly preparations. I did my first congressional hearing as a witness on May 20th, 1997, on the issue of immigration fraud and visa fraud, and the predications for that hearing were the 93 terrorist attacks. And what happened as a consequence? Not much. And then 9-11 happened. And then we saw George W. Bush create the Department of Homeland Surrender, took immigration, sliced it, diced it into multiple little pieces, folded it in with other agencies, and basically crippled any efforts at border security or restoring or, or creating a sense of integrity to the immigration system, including getting after immigration fraud. It was so bad that the Republicans who really had integrity, remember Bush was a Republican, it was the Republicans who called me repeatedly to testify at their hearings in the House Immigration Subcommittee about how the Bush administration was getting it wrong and endangering national security and public safety. I was told that George W. Bush used to curse my name whenever it was raised in the Oval Office. I only wish I had a video clip of that. I'd be running it on a loop just to entertain myself. The Republicans back then, Jim Sensenbrenner, John Hostetler, Lamar Smith, demonstrated real morality, real guts, real chutzpah. They stood up and said, he might be a Republican president, but he's getting it wrong. And Mike Cutler, we know you know what's going on. We need you to come down and testify and put this on the congressional record, and I did repeatedly. I don't think I'm going to be getting called for any more hearings anymore because both sides of the aisle have sold us out. President Trump is the only one in Washington, with a couple of exceptions. There are some decent senators there and, 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 and congressmen on the Republican side, but they're few. Don't automatically think Republican means good. Democrat means bad. You have always got to look at politicians as individuals and in terms of where they stand on the issues, okay? But it was President Trump who was swept into office with this notion of securing borders and enforcing immigration laws. Think about that. And if this is really government by the people, of the people, for the people, it's clear. I mean, this isn't a mystery. When the Ford Motor Company attempted to sell the Edsel, they couldn't sell it. They didn't ram it down anyone's throat. They said, well, the people aren't buying it. We'll have to sell a different product. 
This should be clear to everybody what the American people want. What should also be clear to everybody is what the 9-11 Commission warned about, that immigration enforcement, including interior enforcement, was critical to national security and protecting America and Americans from terrorism. Pretty clear. We got the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Maybe they're trying out for the MVP award from ISIS and, and the Quds forces. As I've told you in the past, we have uh, terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil. You have Quds forces, which is what this General Soleimani was running, by the way, operating in Venezuela. They're coming across the southern border. They're entering the United States through ports of entry, international airports. We leak like a sieve. I call it the immigration colander. It's not just the Mexican border. And once these folks come here, they can head to sanctuary cities where they will be shielded from detection by ICE. Not that ICE is much of a threat. 2,000 agents, really? It's a game of hide and seek. They hide and there's no one to seek. No one to seek. How many more people have to die? I don't know. I don't know. What's the appropriate body count before this becomes serious? For the Boeing company, apparently 346, was it? That number of the dead bodies in the crashes wasn't significant enough. 9-11, we lost around 3,000 people, and now maybe we're up to 10,000 when you consider everyone who's died. We're still not acting appropriately. So maybe, maybe we should have a lottery. What's the magic number? Is it, do we have to lose a half million people? Do we have to lose a million? Do we have to have a city vaporized? I, I don't know. What is it going to take? Because people keep asking me that question, folks. You know, I, I do podcasts, by the way, for Dennis Michael Lynch at Team DML. And um, I'm asked that question frequently. What will it take? I, I thought that the 93 bombing at the Trade Center was going to be it. My friends at the FBI, DEA, ATF, state police, city police, I was working with them at the Drug Task Force. We all thought that was that watershed moment when finally immigration would get what it needed. didn't happen. We thought after 9-11. We would get what we needed. Didn't happen. Now you have politicians acknowledging that we face a real risk of sleeper agents from Iran desiring to kill us. We've had sleeper agents arrested again and again and again and again and again and again, sometimes actually with photographs in their possession of places they were scoping out for possible terror attacks. And yet we're giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are. We're shielding, immigration, we're shielding illegal aliens from the detection by immigration. And understand when people say, well, you know, why would you arrest an illegal alien who's never been arrested, who has no criminal history? Because that's what sleeper agents do, folks. Sleeper agents are similar to spies. They operate the same way. It has been said that an effective spy is somebody who would not attract the attention of a waiter or waitress in a greasy spoon diner. And point the fact it might well be a waitress or waiter who is a spy or a terrorist. I remember doing a, a, a raid on a diner in Staten Island. It turned out one of the individuals there uh, had a nexus to terrorism. He was working as a dishwasher in the kitchen. This isn't like the movies, you know. The terrorist comes out, the mu- music changes. It's not James Bond driving around in an Aston Martin. Uh, if you want to see a great movie, go watch The Bridge of Spies. Um, about Rudolf Abel being swapped for Francis Gary Powers. Rudolf Abel was a Russian spy, and he wore this this little hat and this little jacket and very low-key, very unglamorous, the sort of person who was completely eminently forgettable. If you passed him on the street, you wouldn't even notice that you passed him. That's how an effective spy dresses. They're not out there wearing a $5,000 Armani suit with a $50,000 gold Rolex watch on his wrist. That, folks, is Hollywood. That's a fabrication. How many times do you hear about a bad guy when they used to go after the Nazi war criminals? Most of those SOBs are dead. Unfortunately, too many of them lived in freedom, and they shouldn't. They should have been in a cage where they belonged or dead. But the neighbor would say, gee, I can't believe he was a Nazi war criminal. He used to pet my dog when I walked by, and he watered his roses in the front of his house. How naive are we? Our immigration laws aren't racist. They're not anti-immigrant. They're designed to protect America and Americans from the threats posed by disease and the threats posed by violence. And yet Cuomo, the idiot governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, 
refers to immigration agents as thugs, as thugs. We're going to protect the immigrants from the ICE agents. And what's the consequence? Fewer people cooperating with ICE and more ICE agents than ever before being assaulted. There's a war on in, against the police, if you haven't noticed, and record numbers of police officers paid the price with their lives last year. How is this in anybody's best interest? You put police officers out there in horrible situations to try to protect us. They're vilified. They're attacked. Uh, I'll never forget those images of New York City police officers uh, having milk and water dumped on them and food thrown at them. Um, who wants to be a cop? We owe law enforcement so much in this country. They are that thin blue line that protects the innocents from the, the violent. And you wonder why so many of them have committed suicide? You put them into a no-win situation, and all they want to do is do their jobs and go home to their families at night just like anybody else. We've lost our minds. We've lost our way. I think it's time that we had classes for our children, I'm going to say it again, where we teach kids ethics, teach kids morality, teach kids compassion. Because certainly that's not the lesson coming out of corporations, not the lesson coming out of our politicians. It's about winning elections and the hell with Americans. It's about voting for bills that destroy jobs and wages for Americans and then hypocrite liars that they are, they'll go out there and say, my policies will create jobs. I guess they will. They just don't want you to know who's going to take the jobs because sure as hell they don't want to see Americans taking those jobs. How insane is all of this, ladies and gentlemen? And how much more of this are we supposed to tolerate before we finally say enough? There's an election coming, and elections need to have consequences. Uh, it's really important that we get our voices heard, that we have conversations with our neighbors, not arguments, not strident screaming matches. That that doesn't work. Just please look at my articles at Front Page Magazine. I would urge you to sign up with the Team DML. It's a subscription service, but I think it's well worth it. Um, we've got to get the information out there. Facts, as John Adams noted, are stubborn things. And if you look at the craziness going on and the threats that we're facing, you would imagine that politicians who were elected to protect us would say, okay, what did the 9-11 Commission say we have to do? Because that's why there was a 9-11 Commission, not, to, not just to document what happened, but to figure out how to address the vulnerabilities that ultimately led to the loss of so many people on September 11, 2001. We're coming up on two decades since then. And how many more years since the 93 bombings? What is it, 27 years now? 27 years, my goodness gracious, next month. It took 44 months to win the Second World War and defeat the Nazis. Here we are 27 years after the attacks of 93, and we're no closer to securing the borders or imbuing the immigration system with real integrity. Insanity has been defined as doing the same thing the same way and expecting a different outcome. It should be clear to everybody that the reason that the immigration system is the disaster that it is, is because, as I've written about it, it's a failure by design. The people who really have the power, the people making the campaign contributions, or in other words, the bribes, want that delivery system to continue working as efficiently as FedEx and UPS combined, and by God, they're getting it. And with it, they are undermining national security, public safety, and um, undermining the future of our children and our children's children. Please make it your New Year's resolution, folks, to get involved. Have meaningful conversations with your friends and neighbors, not arguments. Just sit down and have an honest conversation. We're in a perilous era, and it's the job that we, the people, must do uh, get our heads together and make politicians accountable. As I always like to say at the end of my programs, remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you so much for joining me. It's always a privilege and pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael, uh, Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, I hope you have a terrific weekend. Take care, everybody. <laughs>